so welcome to the Northwood University Aftermarket Club podcast. My name is Michael Kinney, and I'm the Automotive Aftermarket Chairperson here at Northwood University, a very proud alumni, and I am also the Director of Global Sales for Auto Park International. So with me tonight, we've got three amazing uh, ladies that are going to join us, all aftermarket-driven ladies. Uh, Elise Richardson, who has been on the podcast before, she's going to start co-hosting in, in replace of Nate Bauer, who's, who's graduated. Uh, she'll be with us as a regular fixture here moving forward. And then new to the show tonight is Freshman Sensation. Can we can we say that? Freshman Sensation? Sure. Cool. <laughs> uh, Caitlin Bremer. And it's Bre is it Bremer or Bremer? There's an argument. It's neither. It's actually Bremer. But I honestly just stopped uh, correcting people on it. So it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so, you're, so, so Caitlin, <laughs> let's go with that. Uh, is joining and she will become a much much of a regular fixture here on the, on the show. And if you saw the AASA Vision Conference video, both Elise and Caitlin were strong contributors to that, representing uh, Northwood University students for, for the industry, and they did a, a fantastic job. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for, for joining me on this, and, and I'm, I'm excited because tonight I'm going to get to sit back and listen, which I don't... <laughs> My wife will tell you is a rarity. So, uh, and anybody I work with too, he never shuts up. So, tonight uh, I'm super excited. We've got a Northwood University alumni featured uh, and a current uh, current fixture in the automotive aftermarket down in Memphis, Tennessee at AutoZone. Uh, welcome to the show, Michelle Geiser. And did nice. I say that right? You did. You hit it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me tonight, guys. Cool. So I'm going to turn it over to the ladies, um, but I just want to say once again, Michelle, you came into my class uh, about a month back. You came into my category management class, did an absolutely fantastic job. The uh, the students raved about your your interaction, your participation, a ton of, of really good advice. Uh, the V lookups, they were a little disappointed about the <laughs> amount of V lookups that you that you so talked many about. <laughs> so many V lookups. But you know, it's funny because we had just finished a segment on the importance of data manipulation uh, in category management and in picking out the winners and losers and and things like that. So for you to come in right on the coattails of that was was absolutely fantastic, and you yes. did a, a wonderful job. So um, I'm going to turn it over to either Elise or, or Caitlin. They're going to just pick up the reins and go. I'll jump in and out. But uh, I thought this was a really really good way for me to bring these two young ladies in to have somebody like yourself. Uh, who's in the industry it's it, you know we're still in march right now the the birds are chirping the sun's out here in midland i'm sure it's nice in memphis too but Beautiful, uh, yeah. spring has officially sprung here in mid-michigan and uh we're wrapping up you know international women's month so i thought this would be fantastic to have three aftermarket ladies uh run this show and i'm just gonna sit back and push buttons so <laughs> lisa and caitlin take it away awesome um, so just a little bit about you. How did you come to Northwood? Like, what was your story before? What's your hometown? And why did you choose Northwood? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a town called uh, Rain City, Michigan. It's pretty small. It's kind of by Port Huron, if you're familiar. Um, my senior year of high school, my parents moved super north. So they moved to like Croswell area, which is by Lexington. Um, so Went to high school there, graduated in 2013. Um, honestly, in high school, I didn't really know what my plan was. I didn't know if college was for me, if college wasn't for me. Um, 
school wasn't a big focus for me. I wasn't, um, I was like middle of the pack, uh, performance wise in high school. So, um, when it came down to picking a college, I just wanted to go where my friends went, like, to be completely honest. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know what I want to do. Um, I, a lot of family went to central. My friends were all going to central. I'm like, I'm going to central, you know, whatever I'm going. Um, and so sign sealed, delivered, applied, got accepted, um, had my deposit paid everything at uh, CMU. And then Susie Polysmith used to be a recruiter for Northwood, which was like, Susie Polysmith is amazing. Um, and majority of the people that came to Northwood in 2013 with me were recruited by Susie Polysmith. Um, she was like the Macomb area, St. Clair County recruiter. Um, and so she came in and she was like, came into my high school class and was like, let me just come to your house and talk to your parents. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I, I don't got nothing to do with this. So um, she came in, my parents fell in love with Northwood, the Northwood idea. My dad owned a manufacturing plant growing up. Um, so I don't know um, if you're familiar with the area, it's called Norma Group, was at one point Craig Assembly, uh, Norma Group purchased it. Um, they were a tier one and tier two um, supplier for Ford. So grew up kind of, um, I guess to even back up any further, I grew up in a manufacturing plant. My mom was the manufacturing manager. I was around parts. I worked there when I was 16. My whole family worked there. Um, so I was really familiar with what aftermarket was. Um, but again, I never... I didn't think much of it. Um, and so then my dad like loved the idea, loved automotive. He's like, yeah, you know, like business, you know, all the stuff. So um, Susie totally sold it. And my parents were like, yeah, no, you're not going to Central. <laughs> like, they're like, we want you to go to Northwood. And of course it was like my decision in the end, um, but they, they really pushed for Northwood and went to the campus, fell in love with the campus. I remember I went during like January, so it was super snowy. Um, and I just took a chance on it. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I don't, I'm happy I went to a small school. There's a lot of benefits. Um, and, you know, who knew I would be in Memphis, Tennessee, of all places, let alone working in aftermarket. Um, and I can tell you, walking in the halls of AutoZone, people are like, when it comes to even talking about applying for promotions and things like that, it's a selling factor that I went to Northwood, that I came from an automotive school. Um, and they love that. So it's really helped me in ways that I didn't even think it would, you know, in um, aspects outside of the education. Um, so it's it's been a really good experience so far. Interesting. Did you come in as an aftermarket major or what did you end up majoring in? Yeah, so I changed my major four times while I was at Northwood. So I always love to tell people this because it's it's okay not to know what you want to do. Um, and I think even after you graduate college, very few people know what they want to do. And very few people are going to jump into the job that they thought they wanted. Um, I went to Northwood wanting to open a casino. I just knew casino owners had a lot of money. And again, I was like, let's do it. Um and so I went for it, and hospitality was not for me. Um, so I started as a hospitality major. Then I moved over to sports uh, sports management because I was like PR, maybe, events, maybe. Um, realized also was not for me. So then I switched over to marketing. Or no, I'm sorry. I switched over to innovation, marketing, and management. Um, but I was like the guinea pig. Uh, it was the first year that they were offering that program. Long story short, it was going to take me forever to graduate. Um, so I jumped into a management degree and... Um, ended up with a major in uh, management, minor in marketing and advertising. Um, so to, I, but I like to use that as a, um, I, I learned a lot from each of those, you know, switching over the major and not only that, um, makes my skill skills a little bit more wide range. You know, it got me into different internships. Um, I've had internships all across different industries. So it's kind of cool to have that experience under your belt still. Yeah, definitely. I could see that. Um, I have to ask, do you know yeah. Carter Cervantes? No. 
Okay. He went to North, he's my cousin. He went to Northwood around the same time as you did, so I had to ask. Oh, but, did he? Yeah, yeah. Wait, um, what year did he graduate? Did he play golf? He did not. Okay, no. I know he Carly lived in Southville, like, freshman year, and then he moved off campus and was just kind of off-campus guy. Yeah. No. <laughs> sorry. Um, how did you end up getting in your role at AutoZone? Yeah, so um, my career path was really funny. Um, out of college, I ended up working for Northwestern Mutual in the financial services industry as a recruiter. Um, I led the recruiting efforts for Graham Blank and Troy. Um, really fun job. Um, I got to spend a lot of time right after college on college campuses, so it was a really easy transition. I spent all day talking to college students that were very close to my age, so it was very easy to relate to them. Um, I think it gave me a lot of great experience, um, but I knew I wanted more, Um, and at that point, I was starting to think automotive. I'm like, where I was living, Automotive Alley, like it was everywhere. I knew there was good money, um, and I knew there was opportunity. I knew it was going to be challenging, Um, and that's really kind of what I was what I was looking for. So um, I um, leveraged some of my networking. I couldn't find a role. I couldn't get in anywhere. I was really struggling. So I ended up taking a contract position um, with a company called Aptiv, which Delphi Technologies and Aptiv used to be one company, which was just Delphi. And then there was a spinoff. Aptiv is an um, automation company. They make autonomous vehicles. And I worked for them for about nine months. And I was kind of... um, my title was an engineering solutions analyst. So that's where I was first introduced to data work and um, kind of the industry as a whole. Um, that was a fun job, um, but I was on contract. So I, there was no stability there. Um, there was no you know, benefits, nothing like that. So decided to jump ship um, and leverage some of my network um, that I was introduced to at Northwood. I met Jim Ryan, who is the director of sales for Napa over at Delphi. Um, my ex-boyfriend actually used to live with his son. So I, I had all these connections um, and I totally leveraged that. And um, yeah, got into an associate category manage- manager role there for their fuel handling products and um, just kind of ran with it, fell in love with my job, fell in love with the industry. Um, I was hired mainly to take care of AutoZone. I was AutoZone's like point person. Um, it's called a category captain is what I did. So I spent all day working with AutoZone. Um, I also took care of Napa a little bit but AutoZone was my main focus. And unfortunately, when COVID hit, I lost my job. So I was um, let go and in G- uh, July. Um, I was notified on a Monday that my position was being eliminated due to budget cuts. We were going through a transition. It made sense. Um, and then uh, AutoZone was notified on that Thursday. And by Friday, um, I essentially had a job offer at AutoZone to move down to Memphis um, and be a uh, assistant category manager down here. So, of course, I jumped on it. Um, one, because I love AutoZone, I love the culture there, um, and I loved what I did at Delphi, and I wanted to kind of continue in that path. Um, and my career goal has, um, since I got into the industry, since I got into category management, my career goal had been to um, be the director of merchandising somewhere. I wanted to work for a nationwide retailer. I wanted to wait, you know, four or five years, I thought, before I would start to look into those kind of positions. And you know, timing was kind of funny and it happened way quicker than I thought, but um, I'm happy down here. It's it's really cool. So right now I, um, I am the commercial category manager, assistant commercial category manager um, for five of our categories. So it's been fun. You sound very busy. It sounds like you always have things going on. I do, um, <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. And 
Um, you know, and part of um, my story, right, is I didn't know what I wanted to do for a while. Um, and jumping around to different jobs, like something I try to make sure people who are freshly graduating in that process, searching for a job and their first job after college, you know, you're always told that it's really bad to leave a job, right? Like you want one job and make a career out of it, you know, and not that that's a bad thing. I, you know, I totally think that is for some people the right thing. But for other people, I think it's okay to kind of explore and, you know, try different avenues and try different paths. Um, obviously, every time you leave a job, you do it respectfully. And I, I don't encourage, you know, every six months getting a new job by any means. But part of your early 20s is figuring out what you want to do um, and what is right for you. So kind of, you know, might involve a few, a few jumps, but you got to make it work. Um, I think it's kind of funny because, uh, well, I have a question, actually. Um, in regards to Northwood and preparing you for aftermarket, I know you said that you've been in a lot of different majors, kind of jumped around, but what are some things that Northwood prepared you for in regards to aftermarket? Yeah, so I think especially in regards to aftermarket automotive, um, Northwood taught you how to talk to people in the industry. Um, they taught you how to walk into a room and understand and maybe maybe it's not you because every room you're going to walk into somebody is probably going to say something especially in the beginning of your career that you don't understand um but it helped you understand or they help prepare you how to still engage in a conversation where you sound educated where you're still able to grasp and also taught me how to ask the right questions to understand more um the aftermarket industry is a very complex i think is probably the right word you know we're working with a lot of different parts that feed into a lot of different things and understanding at least the basis is really helpful you know i was really involved in auto show at northwood that helped me it helped me get familiar with the different brands different companies the different suppliers um and now it's like sometimes i even come across people that i worked with at or not necessarily i worked with but i saw at um auto show and you know kind of some of that background that if i would have went to central for example I don't know that I would have gotten that same exposure. No, I agree. I definitely think that the show is super beneficial. I'm so excited to actually have an in-person show in the fall. Fingers yeah. crossed. Um, but no, it's just so cool. I think it's definitely something that makes us very unique um, in terms of something that student run and being able to like network and it's very hands on. So I think I agree with you on that. Um, was that the only thing you did around campus? Was there anything else you were involved in? No, I was very, very involved on campus. At one point I was on six different e-boards. Um, I don't even remember. I was just thinking before, I'm like, what e-words are that on? Um, <laughs> but I was, um, I rushed to sorority, so I was in Alpha Gamma Delta. Um, I was on their e-board all four years. I led Panhel, um, which was a really cool experience. Um, I, one of my jobs while I was in college was leading the student ambassador group. So that was really fun. Um, it, ton of connections at Northwood. I made a ton of friends um, and I still get to leverage a lot of that, which is cool. Um, I did auto show, I did style show. Uh, what else did I do? I don't know, it seems like I always had something going on. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. I was uh, the sweetheart of a fraternity at one point, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, so as you can tell, I, I like to stay busy. Um, if I'm not busy doing something, I'm shopping and I don't need to spend money, so. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I agree. 
Oh my gosh, I'm actually in Greek life on campus this year. Um, it's oh, cool. so I'm a freshman, so it's, I'm actually in Delta Zeta, but it's interesting because I had to step into the panhel role like very soon. Um, but it's really cool hearing you talk about everything that you're involved in, especially like balancing school academics with like the extracurriculars. Like I, it definitely does take a lot to get to the point at which you're like, am I doing too much? Am I not doing too much? Um, but it does make me feel better hearing you say that you're also busy or you were busy back in college. Um, it's yeah, like a little tip. I think you'll know when your plate's too full. Yeah. Right. And if you're not giving 100% to everything, you're, you know, if something starts to slip in priorities, you know, sometimes Delta Zeta takes 30%, you know, everything else gets 78%. But um, you just gotta, you'll know when your plate gets full. Very true. Yeah. I, I totally know how you feel. I'm in a lot of stuff and I'm trying to really pare down right now just because there's just some things that I joined and I thought was cool, but I don't think are very cool anymore. And I think it's just really choosing what's going to help you when you graduate. And obviously auto show helped you a lot when you graduated. So it's just prioritizing really. Um, but I wanted to ask, how did growing up in like a manufacturer role help you in your role as a retailer because i kind of did it backwards i was with advanced last summer and now i'm with uh, mala right now so it's kind of cool to be able to see both sides but i want to know if like it helped you more seeing the manufacturer side so i think um what's cool about being in the plant so it was it was more beneficial when i was working for delphi um because delphi was a supplier to the retailer um just to kind of understand what life in the shop is actually like what maybe, you know, as Delphi, a supplier to AutoZone, you know, I'm seeing what Delphi suppliers are going through. Maybe some of the struggles that they're, you know, and I would call my dad and be like, oh, you know, we're getting a cost increase or this is happening, you know, like whatever may be happening um, at that time with that supplier. And my dad would, you know, be like, okay, well, like, remember, like, you know, cost materials is doing this or you have this going on or, there, you know, so it really was beneficial in that way just to kind of understand um, because sometimes when you're in your role, it's really easy to just get angry at your supplier um, for the cost increase or for them, you know, being late or something like that. So it's having that understanding on that side of the business that, okay, well, it may seem silly that supplier A is doing this, but, you know, until you sat in those shoes, you don't really understand maybe you know or it gives you a different understanding of why that might be happening and then you, you can relay it over um same thing you know here at um autozone is when we have issues with our suppliers and things like that i often am like okay when i was at delphi when why was this happening you know why was something similar like this happening and maybe we can drill down to deeper or maybe i can offer a solution to that supplier for my experience on the vendor side right of like hey this was what we did at the company i was working for previously when we ran into this, maybe look at doing something like this, you know, um, and I can tell you if, you know, jumping from retailer to, you know, that vendor retailer, both of those, it's really beneficial, you know, advance wants that Mala experience and Mala wants that ex advanced experience. So in your career moving forward, you're going to get to leverage that and it'll put you, um, it'll help you stand out amongst your peers. Um, and, you know, so I would highly encourage you as you, you know, wire at Mala, eat up everything you can, it, you know, try to get involved as much as you can and keep a journal, you know, make sure you remember some of those experiences. So that way, if, you know, coming back to a retailer is something you want to do, you remember certain situations that maybe you would have forgot about. Um, they'll kind of help you through that, not only the interview process, but, you know, and so further on in your career. 
Yeah. So right now, do you have like someone that's a mentor? Because I've experienced it firsthand. This is a very male dominated industry. So have you had like a female mentor or are you just kind of going at it alone? Excuse me. Um, I believe in the power of mentorship. Um, we do not know everything. And even people who are in their career for 30 years do not know everything. Um, and so it's really important to lean on those people um, that you have around you that, you know, um, it's some of the best advice. And I think, I don't know, I just cannot express enough how important a mentor is. Um, so I have had female mentors. Um, a lot of my mentors are male. Um, and, you know, to your point, we are in a very male dominated industry, but I actually really appreciate the opinion of a male, um, not more than a female or anything like that, but I appreciate their look at it um, and kind of how they perceive me in the industry, how they perceive me in my job. Um, you know, they call and like they call him, uh, his name's Brian. They call him like Big Brother Brian to me. They're like, oh, Big Brother Brian will help you. And it's like funny, but I'm like, no, really, like Big Brother Brian will help me. Um, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I do have, um, I have had a f handful of female mentors. Um, and I think especially, um, I'm actually in a mentoring group with AutoZone right now. Um, it's like a group of five and it's, it's funny. So we kind of all, you had to choose like the things that you wanted support with. Um, and then they paired you with a random leader and they're in groups of five and it's five females and our leader is a male. Um, and so it's really interesting kind of, you know, we'll have these talks of th things we're struggling with or things we want to get better at. And he's like the outsider perspective. Like the conversation we had most recently is, you know, I'm, I'm in my late twenties. Um, and the thought of, you know, getting married and balancing a spouse and then work and the thought of balancing kids and work, like how do, how do I start approaching this? Um, and not that I'm anywhere close to that, but, and I asked the question the other day in the mentoring group and it was incredible to hear some of these ladies opinions, you know, and how they handled it and, um, the different perceptions and the different, you know, things that they thought had to happen, had to happen once they had kids. Um, like that, those are things that you, you get from a female mentor that maybe you wouldn't get from a male mentor. Um, so yeah, I think um, in terms of like finding that relationship, I think it's just like, I guess when choosing between a male or female, I think it's finding that relationship and seeing which one just flows better. Um, I think both are great. I have both and I love both of them and I lean on both of them or all of them frequently. So I think it's just kind of seeing which feels most natural. Has there been like any advice that you've received recently or in the past that's helped you from a mentor? Like anything that you would want yeah. us to know? Yeah, so um, there's a few, there's a handful of things that I'd like to share with you guys. Um, the first one is show up, right? Um, when you get to work, you're at work. You're mentally at work. Um, when you say, and off of that, it's, you know, when you're in a meeting, you're in that meeting, especially in this virtual world, it's very easy to be checking your phone or checking your email, but you are paid to be there, be there. Um, and off of that, it's, you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, us being in a male dominated industry, I feel like sometimes there is a need to this un conscious pressure almost that we need to make sure that we're on top of our game and things like that. And I, I think that's more head trash, but I think that's also something that you don't want to be the person in the room that doesn't know what's going on. Um, that already feels like they have like a target on their back or something. Um, so, and that's came from every job I've had in the past. I've worked in only male dominated industries my whole career. Um, so I'm very used to that feeling. Um, I think also, um, 
something that I just went through on uh, Women in Auto Care Week. And one of the pieces of advice that they got, there's actually like a statistic that proves it and all this stuff, but, um, or not statistic, but science that proves it. It's we as women often are our own worst enemies, right? Like we'll see a promotion or not a promotion, a um, opportunity for advancement. And we often tell ourselves that we're not qualified and we won't apply for it, where our male colleague will run ahead and go apply for it. Um, so we, and statistically, like that's true, um, right? It's like, I think it's like 75 or 50% of the time, if we don't have 100% of the qual qualifications for it, we won't even, don't quote me on those numbers, but we won't even apply for it, right? Where a male will only have, I don't know, 10% of the qualifications and he's going to put himself out there and do it. So it's this whole idea of like, get out of your own head and step into the fear, right? Like go for it if you want it, um, because no one's going to get it for you if you don't, if you don't go. Um, and then lastly, some of the best advice I've ever been given in my whole career. Um, well, I guess there's two more things. So the best advice is you can give somebody all the tools in the toolbox, but if they don't want to build it, the house don't necessarily, you know, having all the information and things like that. It's more about understanding and how to motivate somebody and understanding, you know, helping them understand why what you need from them is important. And that's how things are going to get done. It's not giving them the spreadsheet. It's not, you know, that type of thing. It's, hey, this is really important because it feeds into this part of the pie. And then lastly, um, my uh, one of my mentors over at Aptiv, she was the VP of engineering. Her name was Jada Smith. And she gave this talk on, it was called Leading in Heels. And she was a single mom recently divorced. And she talked about how um, there is no such thing as work-life balance. Like there's no such thing. Um, and there is going to be times where you can't go to that soccer game, right? Like you have a business meeting that's more important. Um, and not more important is probably not the right word, but takes priority. Um, and sometimes, you know, people always say family is the most important thing, but not every day. You know, not every minute, not every hour is family the most. Sometimes your work takes priority. Sometimes there's things that have to happen in order for your job um, to move forward. And it comes back to the idea of, you know, if you're very career driven, um, an empty cup can't fill another. So if you're giving up your whole career, but you're very career driven to have a family, you're not going to be very happy. You're not going to be the best version of yourself. And then in turn, it's really hard to be the best person for your family. So it's kind of finding that that happy medium of, you know, today, this needs to happen. You know, um, sorry, little Jimmy, I can't make it. I can't make it to your play or, you know, and obviously there's times and I don't have kids. So I don't know what it's like to make that to make that call. But to me, that was really powerful. And it really spoke to me, especially when I'm moving forward into looking at those parts of my life and, you know, choosing those type of things is it's a give and a take. Um, and when you choose your career path, that's something you have to think of, you know. That's very interesting. Um, adding on to that, how did you know, um, like when you were switching majors or switching between jobs, like how did you know when something wasn't a good fit for you? I think when you start to get bored um, or, and I mean, there's highs and lows of your career, right? Sometimes it's slow and it gets boring. Sometimes it gets busy, but do you find yourself wanting more out of it? Like, are you, are you bored, but looking for ways to make the job better or are you bored and just digging deeper? Does that make sense? Like yes. if I have a slow time at work, I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not daydreaming constantly of what my next job looks like or things like that. Instead, I'm like 
pulling up a file and I'm digging into it and seeing what I can find. You know, I have a lot of nice to on my list. So it's things that I want to get to. I start having the times or, you know, so it's like that's when I'm starting to do it instead of daydreaming about my next job or, you know, when I make this much money, this is what I'm going to do. So I think it's, I think that's how you really know. Yeah. Feeling content almost like having that sense of like, this feels right for me. Yeah. And if you don't like, I think another part of that is there's going to be times in your career where you're going to be working really late and you're going to be working really early. And I think it's, do you absolutely dread it? Like nobody wants to go to work on Monday mornings. Like I don't care if you love your job and you have the coolest job in the world. Like nobody goes to bed on Sunday. Like I can't wait to wake up early and go to work. (laughs) And it's it's not saying you don't like your job. It's just, I don't want to wake up early and go to work, you know? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't love it, but is it, Every day, do you feel that way, right? Like every day, are you like, uh, you know, instead of only on Monday mornings, whatever it may be, you know? Right, right. Definitely finding that, that, um, is this filling my bucket type deal, not draining you? Finding that, no, I agree. I've definitely been in jobs where I was ready to clock out like ASAP, but no, that's interesting. Uh, Elise, do you have any questions before I jump in again? I do. Um, So I know you mentioned like, working at a retailer has kind of been your goal, but what would be like your dream job and all be all goal that you, you think is actually like reachable? Yeah. So, um, I want to run the merchandising department at maybe it's AutoZone. Maybe it's, maybe it's somewhere else. Um, I love merchandising. I think and talking about it in the category management class, it's, Category management has like, like merchandising has like fundamentals, right? It's, it's very basic. Um, basic might be, but it's, there's part, it doesn't matter what product you're selling, the principles are the same. So for me, I love consumer behavior. I love the way, you know, consumers act. I like the strategy of it. Um, I like that stuff. So hopefully I, I hit a director role by my 30s, mid 30s. And hopefully I'm looking at a VP role shortly after that. Um, and I know that's attainable. Um, I'm on the career path right now for it. I'm not going to not let it happen. Um, but I'm also very open to, I don't know where life's going to take me. Um, never thought I'd be working for AutoZone right now. So who knows where we'll end up. Yeah. I actually did merchandising when I was at Advance. And oh, cool. it was it was so interesting. It wasn't just like the consumer part. It was like, I'm not good at math. I hate math. But then once like, it got put into the sense of forecasting and like forecasting costs. Like it was so cool to me that there's like people out there that can just like, for like it was re- it was really cool. So I kind of relate to you on the whole liking merchandising thing. And like yeah. if I were to go back to a retailer, it would definitely be be in, in merchandising. So that's actually really cool. So um, Caitlin, what was that question you had? Um, just talking about role models and um, I just want to soak up all the knowledge you have right now. I, it's really interesting to hear you talk about things, but um, um, sorry, I'm just, I've been taking notes as you're talking. You're good, you're good. But like, what are ways that you have found to stand out in your role slash in the industry in itself? Yeah, um, so this is actually something, um, one of my mentors, um, his name's Ross Tony. He's one of the smartest guys I know. Um, he actually... Ironically enough, when I worked for Delphi, he was um, my category manager over at AutoZone that I often worked with. And he's now the director of pricing. He's super successful. 
again, one of the smartest guys I know. We're like talking and we are just, I reached out to him. I had a presentation coming up and I just wanted some feedback from him. And uh, I just am like, Ross, people talk about you all the time, like in a good way. Like they're like, Ross is smart. Like when Ross walks in a meeting, you're like, Ross is here, you know, like he's going to ask some hard questions. Um, and you, you prep yourself and I'm like, how do I become that? I want to walk into a room and I, not that I want people to fear me by any means, but I want people to be like, she knows what she's doing and I don't want people to doubt me. I don't, you know, anything like that. And he was like, well, of course it comes with experience. You know, he's been in the, I think he's worked at AutoZone for 15 years, been doing this for a long time. Um, but he gave me the advice that, you know, um, you come in early and I shared this with the category management class. You spend an hour in the morning reading industry news. Um, you know what's going on. You read articles, things like that. You want to have, and it's it takes effort, right? It takes time. Like I try to get into work an hour early every day. Doesn't always happen. But I try to spend 45 minutes to an hour with a cup of coffee before I even check my emails. What is going on in the industry? Like what are things that are up? What's changing? What is coming up? What are my competitors doing? You know, all that knowledge. I listen to um, podcasts. I watch YouTube. Anything I can do to help me kind of just not only that understand my product better or understand the industry better, but also understand my product better. Um, I think, you know, especially being category management, again, I said the principles are kind of common across any industry you're in category management, category management, but what's not the same is my product. You know, I try to spend time understanding how to fix a car. I don't, I don't know how to fix a car. I could never go into, you know, I am going to go visit some shops pretty soon here. And I, I don't, I don't know how to talk like a technician. I don't know how to talk like a mechanic because I don't, I've never been underneath the car. I don't even know how to check my oil or I didn't know how to check my oil, you know? And so it's, it's spending the extra time and caring, right. And wanting to know. Um, and I think it's asking questions. Some of the biggest feedback I got when I started AutoZone was we know, uh, I sat down with one of our EVPs and he's like, I know, you know, a lot. And he's like, I know you have a lot of thoughts and ideas, but you're not speaking them. So no one can hear them. If no one can hear them, then no one knows you have them. And so, you know, I just started every time I have a comment, every time I have a question, I ask it. I'll sit in a meetings that and, you know, like read the room, you know, meetings that you should, you know, like you don't want to be asking, you know, what does DAP stand for in the middle of like a big business meeting with all your VPs just because you should know what that means, you know, like something like that. Like you don't want to do something, something like that. So you definitely have to read the room. But um not being afraid to challenge people, you know, it doesn't matter if they're a director and obviously in a respectful way, but saying why, okay, Jason, I, I see you, I see what you did, but I don't understand. Do you mind? Can you take a second? You know, if now is not the right time, can we spend a few minutes after this meeting? I just want to understand where this decision in your strategy came from or why are we pushing this part out and pulling this part back to me? I would have done this, you know, and, and I think they appreciate it. And then they start to ask for your opinion. Um, and that's an, like something I really take. You know, you have to own your own development. No one else is going to do it for you. So, um, and again, not being afraid to, um, especially in a virtual environment, not being afraid to throw 15, 20 minutes on someone's calendar just to ask, you know, talk, ask them about them. Um, and how can you, you know, what can I look, excuse me, what can I learn from you um, to get better in my, in my role? Pretty good advice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, it's very true. I think definitely just being in the know. I getting to work early. I mean, I never even thought about reading the the news, but I think that's definitely something that you should be doing, especially when, you know, talking about suppliers and things like that. This sounds really funny, you guys, but um, I don't know if you guys are big into sports or not, or I don't know. what. Sports. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know what your preference is on like basketball, football, baseball, but um, in the aftermarket, working in the automotive industry in general, I would highly encourage you to know what's happening in sports because it's very much, um, it's the filler of every conversation. Um, and I know it sounds silly, but you just want to be able to contribute to that conversation. So <laughs> yeah, when, when I had Donna Wagner, um, as a teacher for the short few weeks we did every single day, we had class, we walk in what's going on in the aftermarket and we all blew it off and we thought it was stupid. But like now that I'm, that I've worked a couple jobs in the aftermarket and I've actually seen the industry and I'm not just sitting in class hearing someone talk about it. It's, it, it is important to know what's going on, especially on a retailer side, which is much more important to like be in the know and even if you're not going to ask a question on it and may not come up in the meeting, you would have like a different perspective if you knew it was going on. So that's, sure. that's really good advice that I never thought about really. Yeah. Um, in terms of pushing yourself further in your career, like what are some leadership qualities that you possess or you've seen others possess that um, you would utilize in the future? Yeah. Um, so, in my mentoring group at AutoZone, um, I'm actually in a mentoring group that's around feedback. Um, so it's it's being humble enough to ask for it and to know that, again, it comes back to the whole idea of a mentor, right? Like they use that to your advantage. People give you feedback because they care. Um, and so as awkward as it might be to receive it or to ask for it, um, I think some of the best leaders have been given feedback, right? And it's allowing yourself to be coachable I remember in my first job after college, that was something we got, uh, it was like beaten into us, right? Like must be coachable, must be coachable, must be coachable. And I have learned that it is so important um, to be coachable. And I think that feeds into the idea of being adaptable, right? And the aftermarket, things are changing constantly. People are changing constantly. You know, products are changing, things that you have to be able to, there's going to be times where you will spend months working on an idea, a strategy, an initiative, something. And you will walk in and you'll present it to, you know, your VPs and nope, that's not the direction we're moving in. We're moving in a different direction. And you just have to, okay, on to the, you know, you can't, um, and stinks. Cause you're like, this was such a good idea. Like the data's here, like it's, so, you know, but it's, that's not what we're doing. So you have to, you know, how can I, okay. So if this is such a good idea, how can I make it work for this? You know, and it's being able to just roll with the punches. Um, because again, a lot of that's going to happen. Um, and I think that makes you a stronger um, employee. I think that makes you a stronger woman. I think it makes you a stronger person. Um, and I think it also makes you likable, which is important, um, you know, when you are able to kind of roll with it. And again, that comes back to feedback, though, too, right? Um, and the whole idea of being coachable and being open to that. Um, to what I said earlier, people, people provide that stuff to people they care about. Sorry, I just ranted and went jumped to like three different things, but oh, it's okay. Um, yeah. In terms of networking, do you have any like tips or tricks or secrets that have helped you a little bit? Say yes. Just say, say yes, yes to everything. And I know, again, we, we talked about full plates earlier, but AutoZone does this really cool thing where they have like, um, like different groups that come, you know, sometimes it's outside leader, sometimes it's a leader inside and, um, they give like an hour talk and it's, Sometimes it's on what's going on in the industry, but sometimes it's a, their story and they're sharing it. And a lot of times it's over your lunch hour. And sometimes you want your lunch hour to just go and chill. You know, I want to go take a walk downtown. I want to grab a coffee. But I try to make it to every single one of those things um, because 
It's so beneficial. It's again, you're just so you're sponge, you're soaking up this good advice, you're soaking up different things. Um, saying yes to like women in after, uh, I just said aftercare and auto care <laughs> week. Um, that was something that you had to pay for out of your own pocket. It was a couple hundred dollars. Um, and but it was multiple different leadership mentorship sessions, you know, industry related, not industry related, um, saying yes to opportunities like that. You just never know where it's going to lead you. Um, I have all of my jobs. Every job I've ever I have gotten has been through networking, right? If I didn't make a good impression at the guys on AutoZone, if I didn't, you know, follow up on what I said, if I wasn't present when I was there, I wouldn't have this job, you know, and backing up, if I didn't know the right people that I met through Northwood, I wouldn't have gotten the job at Delphi. You know, so it's just making good impressions, following, you know, following up on what you say and saying yes, taking taking chances, you know. If I wouldn't have said yes to this, we didn't connect on LinkedIn and wouldn't have said yes to coming in, I wouldn't be here. So you just never know what's going to lead you. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like an ending question. Um, you're fresh out of college, so what would kind of be your biggest piece of advice for us to when we do graduate in the next few years? I'm going to say be selfish. I think you get to be selfish about your career. I think you get to be selfish about where you go in life um, because it's cliche, but it is yours, right? It's the one thing that's truly yours is your life. I um, mean, you have to own it and you own your development. You own your direction. Um, if you want to move out of state, go. Don't be afraid. You know, if, if you want to take a job that maybe seems a little crazy and unattainable, go for it. You know, do it. Um, you're young enough that you can take these chances. Um, you're young enough where you get to explore. Um, and again, it's it's your career. It's yours and only yours. So you get to be selfish about that. And that's one thing like I, I hold I hold myself to. Like I, I get to choose work. You know, I get to choose what I do. Um, and same thing with your friends, you know, be selfish with who you surround yourself with. If you're not surrounding yourself with cheerleaders, don't don't do it. Um, because you're gonna need them. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. No, I'm just thinking about it. It's like a lot yeah. of times we're told like not to be selfish, like put others first, but like you're right at the end of the day, it's like you you have you and um you should go and do what you want to. Yeah, and I mean, you know, um, a lot of people after college, I think, are afraid to take certain chances, are afraid to take certain risks because they feel like, you know, all of their friends maybe have this job or maybe have these expectations or have these things going on, you know, um, but we all are kind of in different positions. And I think, especially when it comes to moving out of state, some people always say they want to, but you know, they want the comfort of the security of being close to home, you know, or they got this job offer out of state, but there's one in Michigan, but they're going to, you know, and it's, you got to take the leap of faith, you know, you just never know. And I don't mean be selfish in a way of, you know, you're neglecting other people or relationships, but be selfish in a way that you're filling up your own cup, you know, and you're getting the most out of these, you know, these, I want to say the crucial years, but yeah, these crucial years of the start of your career. And it, like, you can take a job, like, you get offered a job that you're like, that seems like the most ridiculous job in the world, but it seems, sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I just think everything has an opportunity in it. So, yeah, yeah. that'd be my, my soon after graduation advice. Well, thank you. I do appreciate it. Michael, was there anything I, you wanted I, to jump on and say? I, I just, you guys have no idea how awesome this has been. You know, I, I, I have a daughter, right? She's 
14 going on 23. Um, you know, she's a freshman in high school. And it's, it's awesome to hear confident, strong, you know, successful women talk about the things that are important in life. And it's, you know, I, I was sitting here making a ton of notes because it's, it's, it's an opportunity for, you know, a guy, uh, you know, a man in a, in a, what you all said, a male dominated field to sit back, shut up and listen and learn. So, you know, I've got, I got all these notes and, and, you know, it's, <clears throat> we have a lot of young women in our curriculum here. You, you two are, are two of, of many um, that, that are going to be successful. You're successful already. You know, you didn't, you didn't share with Michelle that you're the, pre did you share you're the president of the Panhell Council or? No, I didn't. But yeah. I, didn't I saw your that. face light up. When she, when Michelle brought up Panhell, I looked at you and I was like, and your face just went, we, you know, because that's, that's huge. Like, people, it's, but, but yeah. that's, that's leadership. And that's, that's a result of people respecting who you are and what you've done at a very young age as a freshman on campus. You're going to lead the entire Panhell community. Big job. It is. And, it, and it's an awesome job. And, and that's really cool. So I'm so I'm taking notes and I'm writing down names. And, and we talk about this being a male-dominated industry. And I'm thinking about my own company, right? So I've been on this DEI kick lately about, okay, how do we get more women into the aftermarket curriculum at Northwood? How do we get women of color into the program? And and how do we change that, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm writing down names and I'm like, our senior vice president of operations, Anna Garcia, our manager of inventory management is Jean Bailey. Uh, one of my category managers that does an absolutely phenomenal job and blows my mind every time I interact with her is Beth McGrath. On my own team, you know, I, I run the global team. It's, you know, Leanne McKenna is my right hand. Uh, Renata Greenleaf, I just promote, she, she started in the, in the warehouse of our company and she worked her way into sales, in, into a sales admin role. And now she's running South America and Latin America for me, you know, and, and that's a that's a big emerging market for us. So she's in a position uh, that she's just elevated herself because she did what Michelle mentioned, which was say yes. When, she, when opportunities were provided to her and offered to her, she said, yeah, uh, the lady who runs my entire e-commerce platform, uh, her name's Charmaine. She's been with me for a year, uh, about a year and a half, and it, she does a killer job. She's all, she's as sharp as a tack. And, and then Yvonne Garcia just moved over from being a sales admin to, to be, you know, be in charge of our single largest e-commerce account. And I, I look at it and I just wonder, like, I don't ever preface, oh, yeah, our, she's really good for a woman because I think that's ignorant as hell. I, and I don't think of in terms of, well, she does a good job in this role versus a guy. Does that make sense? I just say I've got killer teammates that I get to work with every day, and I really don't give a rip if they're male or female. I want the best person for the job, and clearly we're in an industry that is, I hate to use the word desperate, we're desperate for unbelievable talent. And you've got huge companies like yours at, at AutoZone, mine at Advanced Auto Parts. You've got huge manufacturers like Mala that are out, and they don't, they, they just want the best talent. And, and the women are rising to the top in all of these companies, and it's awesome. I have two things to add off of that. Um, I remember when I first started, um, I was uh, not at AutoZone, not at AutoZone at all. Um, I had a company, another company. I was sitting in a room, and I was talking, and I was 
one of two females around a table of 15 people. And I remember talking about parts. Um, and one of the guys uh, was like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's a girl or she's a female. And I was just like, no, like, and, and the most respectful way possible, I shut down. Like I just, anything I knew about those parts, I just started spitting out. Um, and after, you know, had a conversation with him after, but I remember talking at the time, one of my uh, mentor, female mentors, I asked her, I was like, how do you deal with this? Because it's not, I'm way too strong of a personality to let that just slide. Um, and because I'm not the blonde bimbo in the cubicle, right? Like I'm intelligent, I'm smart, I know what I'm doing. I proved time and time again, I am talented. And um, she was like, you always have, like people just always are going to assume that you don't know what you're talking about. So you need to know what you're talking about. Like, and if you don't, you need to talk like you know what you're talking about. And it's the confidence and it's coming to a room and demanding the respect, right? Like the presence um, in, in a way that it's very, it's not even talked about, right? You, you know what you're talking about, you're confident in what you're doing, um, like that type of thing. So I remember that and that has burned me, um, but it keeps me prepared, right? It keeps making sure I have um, what I need in my back pocket. Um, and then another thing off of that is I think being a female in this industry, you have a very high leg up. Um, I know applying, getting a job into AutoZone, being a female, I don't know this, but I'm assuming it helped me, right? Because I'm coming into a very, very male dominated, to your point, that wants more women in the industry. They want more women in their off, in their walls. Um, and I know at Delphi, the same thing. So I think it's, it's to our advantage right now. Um, being that minority is really helpful. Um, and I think we offer a very unique perspective, which again, we can keep in our back pocket and use that. I, I agree with you 100%. And I think there, there's a difference. There's a huge difference, even in this culture that we have today. And, and it's, it's, it's a tough culture we're going through right now, right? We've got this cancel culture going on. You can't say anything without being accused of something. But there, there's a difference between being with joking with your colleagues and being a, a jackass for no, lack of a better is. term, right? And and I think that companies have done, and I know your company has, and I know my company has, they've invested so much money in training us to what is appropriate and what is what isn't appropriate. And I you know, I think back to when I started in 1993, it was the norm to go into a, a repair facility and see the naked girls on the calendars and 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 it's and now I mean I can't even imagine and I I look back at I think it was a 2000 guy was probably nine no it was a 2000 Apex show and I remember one of the one of the floor mat manufacturers literally had models come walking through the show and they were wearing floor mats on the front and i won't name names because they're still in the industry and i'm sure they they regret ever having done this but they had models wearing floor mats on the front and floor mats on the back and there was nothing on the sides and they paraded them through apex the apex show and and it was the the single biggest flop i have ever witnessed and and what they forgot was one of the biggest buyers in the industry was a female and she was so offended. Oh, uh, right. As, and, and people, it was, it was, I think it was the awakening for a lot of people in our industry. And, and again, that was back in 2000. So, so we've come a tremendously long way. We have a lot of work to do as an industry. And, you know, and, and I'm learning every day that, that we can all be better. 
Right. But but can you imagine in this day and age if a company they would that company would be out of business tomorrow? Oh, 100 percent. No, you know, 100%. and you certainly wouldn't have their floor mats in your stores. No. Right. <laughs> I mean, no one would. <laughs> and as a competitor of that company, we we were just standing there with notepads waiting to take orders as all the, all the female buyers who were who were heavily involved in category management back then on the accessory side. And I think of the companies that I I've known in my career that. Uh, you know, uh, alumni of ours, Stephanie Deanda, Deanda at, at McGuire's Wax. We've got Adam Schwabi at Ford Performance, Nikki Pascal at HDA Truck Pride. Uh, and then a friend of mine is, her name's Amanda Schur. She's the vice president of marketing operations at a, at a, at a heavy duty trucking company. So, so again, it's, this isn't 1963. It's not 1985. It, there's it's it's a world in which we have to be respectful of everyone um and there is a difference between joking around but if but if i wouldn't say that to a male counterpart i i surely wouldn't say it to a female counterpart and i think that the women in our industry have proven themselves proven themselves to be so strong and so talented that a lot of us on the male side we don't we don't look at that we just see this is someone i work with and this person is amazing and, and again, a lot of companies have a long way to go. Oh, for sure. And I think, especially in this industry, there are still companies who have kind of, right, like leaps and bounds um, to where they used to be. But there's also companies that haven't moved much. You're right. So I think there is. And I think you know when you're interviewing, when you meet the people, like you feel it in the culture um, immediately. And I would encourage, you know, as you come up in your career to make that be something, you know, change that stereotype, change the perception, change whatever it is, if it's not already changed there. Um, but even when you're, to us, like um, somebody in our C-suite just recently changed to a female, um, some retired, someone came in, she's a female, and everybody in the company was so excited because it's just really cool to see a woman who has this deep, amazing experience come in. And it's inspiring to me as a female, it's inspiring to all these other females and these males, right? Um, and she's a mom and she's a wife and she's doing all this stuff. So it's really cool to see her balance everything um, and be really good at her job and be a good mom and, you know, uh, just kind of take the world by storm. So she does a lot of like reaching out and she's super open to things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And um, I think part of that too is being able to, again, goes back to rolling with the punches as you gotta be able to take a joke, right? Like when they do joke, you, you can't be sensitive in this industry. I mean, obviously, if there's situations where you get to be sensitive and that's OK and totally, you know, you have to handle certain things. But um, sometimes you just got to roll with it. And, you know, the what is it? The proof is in the pudding. Like you just got to. OK, well, say what you want, but let me show you something, you know, like things yeah. like that. Um, and some of it's fun and sometimes it's banter, but, you know, it's good. Well, I think there's a there is a difference between banter, right? Playful banter, joking around. I, I tell people all the time, you should worry about when me with me, you should worry when I stop picking on you or I stop <laughs> having that banter, right? Then then we probably have an issue. But you know, I think I, I like the people I work with. I respect oh, the people yeah. I work with. I, I know they respect me. Uh, we have a great relationship and a positive culture. And you, the, you know, it's the second time you and I have had one of these kind of interactions. And it's the second time you've, you've immediately, immediately early on brought up culture. So I can tell just from having known you for a short bit of time that culture is very important to you. It is. I, to me, obviously I'm 800 miles from home. 
I don't have anyone down here. Um, to me, your work family is some of the best friends you'll make. They are, you and again, you spend more time with work people than, you know, coworkers than you do at home. So it's really, to me, it, I could hate my job, but if I love the people, I'm still going to, I'm going to stay longer. I'm going to work harder, things like that. Um, and it's fun. I can tell you my boss, he, I was terrified. He know there's been multiple times I've called him on a Saturday. I've called him late at night, like something, you know, I, I had an incident happen down here and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call. And he was my, I'm like, you're the one I know that <laughs> I always sound like you brought me down here. Um, so you have to help me now, you know, but he, we work out together. We work out at the same gym, you know, and I love his fiance. She's great, you know, and he's helped me anything that, you know, my, I got a flat tire the one day he came and helped me, you know, like things like that. It's like, I can depend on these people and they're fun. I go into work and we're, uh, we're half from home, half in the office. Some people, you know, you get to choose right now. Um, but I go into work every day cause I'm like, these are my friends. <laughs> I'm like, I get to laugh. I get to actually, you know, enjoy, I guess that part of it, um, which is so lacking, but culture is very important to me. Um, and I think it makes or break your job. You can have an awesome job paying you six figures. It could be amazing. But if you hate everybody you work with, you are going to be so miserable. <laughs> Hate's a strong word, but you know, you know what I mean? Right. Well, we're, we're running out of time and I don't want to keep you. I know you're going to the gym tonight, so we're going to let you go get that pump in and uh, get all swole down there in <laughs> Memphis. But at least what, uh, you got anything, final shot, final question, and we'll wrap it up. Just thank you for coming and supporting the university and coming and talking to us. I mean, you're always welcome for anything. I mean, obviously, you know, because it's virtual, it's so much easier now. But um, thank you for taking this time and talking to Caitlin and I and, you know, putting the message out there that Northwood is the place to be. And, you know, the industry is ready for young girls and young women. So it's really exciting to hear from, you know, because I've heard from women in the industry, but none of them have been, you know, young and kind of know my perspective right now. So yeah, for thank sure. you. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's definitely very refreshing to hear from someone close to me in age and also so successful. I'm like, I just need to like listen to her talk more often. It's just so interesting. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me um, for having me on today. This was fun. I love connecting with, you know, Northwood and young women and individuals in the industry. But please, you guys reach out to me if you ever need anything. Um, I'm happy to help. Happy to chat. Got an issue. Happy to listen. Happy to try to help. <laughs> um, and next time I'm back in Michigan, um, I'm going to try to make it to campus at some point, you know, maybe when things get a little bit more normal. Um, yeah, good luck with that. Pam Hill. We would love <laughs> that. So, Michelle, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we've got some great guests coming up. You're one of them, of course. But we've got some some great people to uh to follow behind you and we'll get those edited and up and, and, you know, you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. So I know you're a podcast person, so we're getting them out and we're getting them up and we'd love it. Uh, if you check it out and, and spread sure. the word. I will definitely right. guys. Thank you so much. Take Thanks, care. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thanks.